Hey friends, this is Pastor Brian Worf. Thanks for listening to my latest sermon. Get more of my teachings on YouTube at Chapel of Change TV and tune in every Sunday on the radio on 99.5 FM for fresh hope. Amen. Let the church say amen. Let the church say amen again. Welcome, welcome, welcome to our worship experience. It's a joy to have everybody in the house of the Lord. Let's worship the Lord for our worship team. Let's thank the Lord for our worship team. Leads us in the presence of the Lord. Leads us in to the feet of Jesus every weekend. Y'all are spoiled. You're spoiled. You're spoiled. You're spoiled. Uh, I want to invite you this morning to turn to the book of Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6, and I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 8. Isaiah is in the Old Testament, and we will be looking at chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. As you are turning there, I want to make a big announcement so everybody pay attention to what I'm going to say. Uh, next Sunday, there's going to be a schedule change, a Sunday schedule change, um, and there's going to be a slight change in the uh, start of our various services. So uh, keep this in mind. Next Sunday, um, our 10 a.m. service for Paramount is going to start at 10.15 a.m. So y'all get about 10 more minutes to sleep in before you got to come to church. So mark that down in your minds. Um, and then just an FYI, uh, our Carson service in the morning starts at 9 a.m. Then we have a 10, 15 a.m. here. Then 11.30 at our Long Beach. Then a 12.30 here at Paramount. And then a 4.30 back at Carson. And a 1 p.m. A Spanish uh, in Carson as well. Uh, we also have a Spanish gathering here on Friday nights in the fellowship hall. So if you have any Theas or Theos, um, invite them to church. Someone shout amen. So mark that in your mind. Um, and I, I really, 15 minutes, I wouldn't even do nothing. Just come to church and, yeah, just come to church and be early. <laughs> Someone say amen to that. Right? Be early in the house of the Lord. Uh, Isaiah chapter 6 verses 1, when everybody's there, say amen. I'm going to read verses 1 through 8, and then we'll get into our study. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Note that in your mind. The year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. The Lord. Note, note this in your mind. I'm going to come back to it. In one of the darkest moments of his life, he's able to see the Lord. The king died. He's grieving, sorrowful, but he's able to see the Lord. Note that in your mind. I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. 
Verse 2, above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. One cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. That word holy, holy, when it's mentioned three times, uh, it points, it points to, the, to the deep holiness of God. Not just holy, but holy, holy, holy. Speaks to how God is pure. Speaks to how God is holy. And, and it says, the Lord of hosts. That, that Lord of hosts term um, is a term that describes the, the, the warrior in God. How many know that God is a warrior? And, and the Lord of hosts, it speaks that God is the chief general of all the armies of heaven. That we serve not just a king, but a warrior king. We serve not just a king, but a warrior king. We serve not just a savior, but a warrior, and he fights our battles for us. How many are thankful that the Lord goes before us, and he fights our battles for us? You ain't got to lift up a hand. You ain't got to say nothing. All you got to do is praise and worship and thanks, be, thanks God, and he will show up and fight your battles for you. Are you following along? That Lord of hosts is the chief generals of the armies of heaven. Then it says the whole earth is full of his glory. Someone say glory. Look at verse 4. And the posts of the doors were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. That word smoke, it speaks of the weightiness of the glory of God, the weightiness of the presence of God. Smoke in the Old Testament was often uh, a, an image of the, uh, the physical manifestation of the presence of God, which was the Shekinah glory, how oftentimes the presence of God was weighty and you could feel it and, and it would lean on you and sometimes it, it would express itself in, in smoke and this, this presence of the Lord filled the house of God. And I'm thankful to the Lord that Chapel of Change is a host for the presence of the Lord. I'm thankful to the Lord that, that Chapel of Change is where the Holy Spirit shows up in our generation. Now, now God shows up in different places in different times with different people, but I'm just thankful he shows up here. I'm thankful that we don't just come for a religious activity, but we come to experience the presence of God. And how many of you know it's in the presence of God is all we need? Your salvation is in the presence of God. Our deliverance is in the presence of God. Our peace is in the presence of God. I'm telling you, if you can just get your family to the presence of God, the presence of God will burn off stuff in our lives that don't need to belong there. Someone shout amen. Look at verse 5. It says, so I said, this is the prophet Isaiah responding. Look how he responds to the presence of the Lord. This is him responding to the presence of God. He said, woe is me, for I am undone. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. I want you to notice here that, that when he gets into the presence of God, one of the first things he begins to see 
is his own sinfulness. Are you following along? When he gets into the presence of the Lord, um, one, of the, one of the first things he begins to recognize is his own sinfulness. And notice, he begins to confess his sins to God. He begins to confess his sins to God. Why is that? Why is that? Let me tell you why. Because only the pure in heart will see the Lord. Why is that? Is because the Spirit of the Lord wants to cleanse you from all your sin, and oftentimes your deliverance starts with confession. There's power in confession. There's power when you come before the Lord and say, you know what, Lord, I messed up. There's power when you come before the presence of the Lord and say, God, I, I had a bad week. God, I didn't act the way that I should have acted. God, I didn't speak the way that I should have spoke. There's power when we confess our sins before God. For the Bible says if you confess your sins before God, He is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I remember hearing the story of about a lady who uh, was, was, was sanctifying herself by fasting and praying and setting her, uh, aside time to really see God. She wanted, she wanted to see God. She wanted to experience God more. And she noticed that every time she set her side to, herself to the side to see God and to experience God, every time she would get on her knees, she would begin to see a certain aspect of her sinfulness. She'll get on her knees and begin to, you know, seek after the Lord and she'll see uh, maybe her bad attitude or she'll see uh, maybe the way she acted wrong. And every time uh, she set herself to, to seek the presence of the Lord in the face of God, instead of seeing God, she would see herself. And one day she cried out to God and she said, God, I didn't come here to see me. I came here to see you. And the Lord gave her a small, still answer in her spirit and said, only the pure in heart will see me. I don't identify your sin to condemn you. I identify your sin to cleanse you and to wash you and to get you to a place of confession and repentance so I can show up and do a mighty work in your life. Are you following along? So Isaiah begins to confess his sins before God. And there, there is a clearing away that happens when we confess. There's a clearing away. There's a washing that happens when we confess uh, to the Lord. And again, that's one of the reasons why we open up this altar during worship. There, that's one of the reasons why, you know, when we we're in the process of renovating this whole building, right? It's in a multi-year uh, process because it's a big it's a big pro project, right? And when we started to renovate and put new carpet and new chairs, right? And and uh, there there came a time where I said I I had the nerve to think I said, you know what? Uh, we're gonna renovate the altar and we're gonna we're gonna renovate the platform and we're gonna take out the altar. That was one of the thoughts, like, we want to be modern. We want to be modern, and that was one of the thoughts. And I made the mistake of sharing that big idea with my wife. I made the mistake. Like, I got a big idea. We're going to go modern, right? And we got to look a certain way, and 
um, somebody put this in here, a family actually put this in there, I don't know, 60 years ago, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing, right? And, and so we got to clear out the old and make way for the new. This was my big idea. Thank God, my little wife. Little on the outside, but big on the inside. Thank God she stood up to me and said, no, you not. You are not going to take out that altar. And I had the nerve to verbally wrestle a little bit. What? No, but we got this big idea, big idea. Uh, no. And thank God I was smart enough to listen to my wife, praise the Lord. Come on, somebody, praise the Lord for that. And it was such the best decision to make because at this altar, you can come and bow your knee before the presence of the Lord and confess your sins. You don't need to confess your sin to me. You can confess it to Jesus Christ at this altar. And there's a cleansing that takes place. There's a purifying that takes place when you get real with God. Like Isaiah did. He said, I'm undone. I'm going to go back to the scripture now. He says, Woe is me, for I'm undone, because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king. Someone say king. The Lord of hosts. There goes that phrase again. Verse 6. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal. Someone say live coal. Uh, that's symbolic of the Holy Spirit. It's symbolic. We're about to see what the Holy Spirit does in our life. That's symbolic of the Holy Spirit. He says he's had, he had a live coal in his hand, which he had taken. Look at the scripture. He had taken with the tongs from the altar, verse 7, and he touched my mouth with it. Notice that. In the area that he was probably sitting the most, the Lord had a solution for his sinfulness. I want you to notice that the Lord didn't condemn him. I want you to notice the Lord didn't isolate him and say, I told you so. The Lord didn't try to make him feel guilty. No. The Lord had a solution for his sinfulness. And he takes the coal, which represents the Holy Spirit, and he applies it to the area that is messed up. Listen, God has a solution for you. It's called the Holy Spirit. It's called the Holy Spirit. Look at what it says. Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away. Your sin, your iniquity is taken away. Iniquity, by the way, it speaks more of ju than just sin. It speaks of a long standing of sin. It speaks of a long line of sin. Like, he, the brother didn't just mess up one time. The brother had uh, some priors, right? And, and, and I know ain't none of y'all have any priors, but this brother had some priors. But thanks be to God, the Holy Spirit was more powerful than this man's priors. And he says, your iniquity is taken away, your sin purged. And look at verse 8. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom? Shall I send, and who will go for us? So notice, this is God. This is God speaking. This is one of the questions of God 
And by the way, the Lord's put upon my heart sometime in this year, we're going to do a series on the questions of Jesus. We're going to look at how, how, how Jesus asks certain questions. God asks certain questions. And this is one of the questions that God asks. And he says, who shall I send and who will go for us? I want you to notice kind of like the two-part implication. Who shall I send, but also who will agree to go on my behalf? Did you catch the difference? There's like a two-part to that. I, I want to send somebody, but I'm also looking for somebody who's willing and available to surrender themselves and, and allow me to send them. Someone shout amen. And look at the last verse, the powerful response to Isaiah. Listen, after the Holy Spirit comes upon Isaiah, look at, listen to his response. Then I said, here I am. Send me. Someone shout, send me. Someone shout, send me. I want us to think this morning uh, as we meditate on this passage of Scripture, uh, I want us to think about a radical prayer, a radical prayer. And I want to start off by asking just a couple questions for us to consider uh, this morning, and that is, uh, is your Christianity boring? Is your Christianity boring? Is your Christianity dull? Is it dull? Does your Christianity lack excitement? Does your Christianity lack miracles? Do you ever experience God moving in a special way? I want us to think about those questions this morning as we look to the Word of God. Is your Christianity boring? Is your Christianity dull? Do you ever experience God moving in a special way? Does your Christianity lack excitement? Uh, does your Christianity lack miracles in your life? If not, if you answer any of those questions in the negative way, maybe it's because... You haven't been praying radical prayers. Maybe the reason why you're not experiencing the power of God unfold in your life is because we have not been praying radical prayers. Maybe the reason why we're not experiencing miracles is we are not asking big enough things from God. Maybe the reason why our Christianity is boring is because we're praying simple, little prayers. Today, this morning, I want to challenge us to get radical with your prayer life. Today, this morning, I want to, I want to give you permission to pray a radical prayer. Away with the pretty little prayers that produce pretty little results. Away with the pretty, safe, little prayers. I want God to move in our generation in a mighty, mighty way. I want God to move in your life in a mighty way. I want God to move in your, in your family in a mighty way. I want God to move in such a powerful way in your life that it affects your children's children and your children's children's children. And one day your children's children's children are going to wake up and say, how did we get so blessed? How did we get to serving the Lord? And somewhere down the line they're going to say, your great, 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 great grandmother had an experience with the living God. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? 
We want God to do something exciting in our lives. We want God to do something surprising in our lives. Something so big that it eclipses the pain of our past. We want God to do something so special, so big, that it eclipses the pain of our past. My brothers and sisters, if we could talk like family, the reason why some of us are still held hostage to the pain of our past is because nothing is exciting is happening in our present. Are you following along? The reason why so many people are held hostage to their past is because nothing as powerful is happening in their present. So they got nothing to look forward to. They got nothing powerful to get into. And so the pain of their past eclipses their life. Today, I want to identify one of the most radical prayers in the Bible. One of the most radical prayers in the Bible. And that is the prayer, Lord, send me. Lord, send me. I want us to think about that this morning. That this prayer, send me, is a prayer of availability. It is a prayer of availability. This prayer, send me, is a prayer of surrender. It is a prayer of surrender. It is a prayer of availability. Send me is a prayer of ruthless selfishness. I will, let me repeat that. This prayer, send me, is a prayer of ruthless selflessness. Selflessness. Now let's be honest. If we examine our prayers, most of them center around ourselves. If we really examine our prayer life, and we be honest, most of our prayers uh, center around our needs. Lord, please help me. Lord, please provide for me. Lord, please give me favor with this job interview. Lord, please fix my husband. Y'all wake up later. Lord, please fix my boss. A lot of our prayers center around our own needs. And I want to challenge you this morning to flip the script in your prayer life. Instead of asking God, Lord, would you do this for me? I challenge you to pray, God, what can I do for you? God, what can I do for you? God, how can I help you? God, what do you see as the need in this particular area? Lord, show me how I could help you. Lord, show me how I can bless you. God, show me what I can do for you. I want to encourage you to flip the script in your prayer life. I also want to warn you, though. If you ever get courageous enough to pray that type of radical prayer... God will interrupt your life. God will interrupt your life. He, re he may reveal a calling in your life. He may change your career. 
He may lead you to serve in an area of ministry that you didn't, didn't think that you were going to serve in. He may lead you to serve in an area of ministry that you're like, I wasn't thinking about this in January. He may change you from being a cat lover to a dog lover. Are there any cat lovers in the house? Any dog lovers in the house? One thing is for sure. When you start to pray this radical prayer, Lord, send me, God will move you out your comfort zone. God will move you out your comfort zone. And let me remind us, my brothers and sisters, that the greatest threat to the kingdom of God today is not the devil. The greatest threat to the kingdom of God today is not demons. The greatest threat and obstacle to the kingdom of God are comfortable Christians who do not do anything for the Lord God Almighty. That's the greatest threat to the kingdom of God today. And so I want to challenge us, inspire us, and even correct some of us. It's time to shift the focus of our prayer life. And instead of saying, Lord, help me, Lord, how can I help you? Instead of saying, Lord, bless me, Lord, how can I bless you? I'm telling you, if you start blessing God, it will open up the windows of heaven in your life. I'm telling you, if you start serving God and giving to God, it will open up the windows of heaven over your family. Someone shout amen. Now, follow along with me because as we think about responding in faith to this prayer, Lord, send me, uh, I do want us to know that there are levels and steps to responding to this prayer. There's levels and steps to responding to this prayer. You don't just pack up your bags and jump on a plane and fly to Uganda. Are you following along? When you start praying this type of prayer and you start responding to this type of prayer, there's levels to it. You got to be able to build capacity to be able to serve God. So you don't just, uh, you don't just buy an, a, a ticket on an airplane and go fly off somewhere uh, on the other side of the world and say, here I am, God, you sent me. You got to be careful that you don't just go on your own, but you be sent. Did you catch that? There's a difference between going on your own and being sent. So as we think about responding to this prayer, I want to encourage you to build capacity. Uh, respond in steps. Respond in, in, in phases or, or levels. Like, 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 like start off by being sent to the host team at church. Start off by being sent to children's ministry. Start off by being sent to the worship team. Start off by being sent to the media team in the media booth. Start off by being sent to the operations outside, welcoming the people. Hello, somebody. Start off by being sent to the hospitality team. Start off be, by being sent to the nursery team. Are you following along? Get your feet wet. Get some small victories underneath your belt by being sent. Celebrate steps forward. Build capacity of allowing God to use you. By the way, all those areas I just mentioned, we need people to be sent in those areas to help uh, facilitate what God is doing at Chapel of Change. Someone shout amen. Now, let's think about what brings us to this point of full surrender. Like, what's going to motivate us to go? 
What's going to motivate us to serve on the host team? What's going to motivate us to serve in children's ministry? What's going to motivate us to serve on the operations team or even the media team or the, or the worship team? What's going to motiv motivate us to even start off to pray this type of radical, dangerous prayer? What, what motivates us? Let's learn from Isaiah. I'm going to pull out some motivation from this experience with Isaiah. Are you following along? The first, the first thing is that we recognize God's great care in our lives. We recognize God's great care in our lives. So what is the motivating factor to get us to allow God to send us? What, what is the motivating factor for us to serve? Here it is. One of them is recognizing God's great care in our lives. And I get it from verse 1. Let me read verse 1 again. Listen to what it says. I want to point something out to you. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne. Now let's think about this for a moment. King Uzziah was one of the most famous kings of all of Israel. He took the throne at the age of 16 years old and he reigned over Israel for 52 years. Think about that. For 52 years, King Uzziah was the king. Now, we can't relate to that because in our nation, we're used to having a president for four years or eight years. But just imagine of having a president for 52 years. For, for 52 years, all the nation of Israel knew was King Uzziah. And when he reigned, his reign was marked by material prosperity, his reign was marked by military successes, his reign was marked by major building projects, and for the most part, for the most part, King Uzziah brought stability and prosperity to the nation. For the most part, when you study his life, he brought stability and prosperity to the nation. He brought peace to the nation, for the most part. King Uzziah brought peace to the nation. And so no doubt his death struck the nation with anxiety. Follow along now. No doubt his death struck the nation with anxiety. His death struck the nation with the fear of the unknown. What are we going to do now? Our king is dead. What are we going to do tomorrow? What are we going to do? How many of you know that the fear of the unknown is one of the biggest fears to man today? The fear of the unknown. This is what they were struck with at this time at the death of Uzziah. What are we going to do? And his death struck the nation with deep discouragement. But notice, notice it was in the midst of Isaiah's experience with death that he sees God the clearest and the brightest. There's no, there's no coincidence. No coincidence that the scripture says, when Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. No coincidence that, that, that it says, when Uzziah died, he was able to see the Lord. See, oftentimes, my brothers and sisters, darkness sets the scene for God to shine the brightest. Oftentimes, my brothers and sisters, darkness sets the scene for God to shine the brightest in our lives. Oftentimes, my brothers and sisters, the darker the night, the brighter the light. The Hebrew word saw, when it says, I saw the Lord, it means to see clearly, 
to see clearly. Sometimes you can't see God clearly until something disturbing happens to you. Sometimes you can't see God clearly until darkness hits your life. Sometimes God must remove things from your sight so that you could see him clearly. Sometimes there must be a clearing of the path, a clearing of what we're used to, a clearing of stability, a clearing of what we turn to for comfort and what we turn to for consistency in order to us to see God the clearer that we ever have in life. See, my brothers and sisters, think about it with me. This earthly king was gone, and now Isaiah could see the real king. Did you notice that? The earthly king was gone. The one that they counted on, the one that they leaned upon was gone. But now they were able to see the real king clearer and clearer and clearer. So think about it. Think about it with me. Death. Is separation from, from what brings comfort and stability. Death is separation. King Uzziah represented comfort to Isaiah. King Uzziah represented stability to the nation. King Uzziah represented consistency to the nation. But now he's gone and the Lord of glory shows up. Now he's gone and the Lord of glory shows up. Has God ever showed up in a dark moment in somebody's life today? Has God ever showed up in a dark moment of somebody's life today? The darker the night, the lighter, the, the brighter the light. God meets Isaiah in his discouragement. He meets Isaiah in his discouragement. Remember, King Uzziah represents comfort. He represents uh, stability. So you could, you could interpret that scripture as saying, In the year my comfort died, God showed up like never before. In the year my stability died, God showed up like never before. In the year I got fired, God showed up like never before. In the year my earthly money dried up, God provided for me like never before. In the year that this discouragement hit me, I felt the peace of God like never before. Someone shout amen. See, throughout life, my brothers and sisters, we're all going to experience many deaths from time to time. Many deaths, separation from what brings stability, separation from what, uh, what brings comfort. And it's in those times where we experience God's care in a clear and a profound way. It's in those times, in the many deaths, separation, where we are to experience the presence and the power of God like never before. Jeremiah 31 verse 3 says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. That is why I have continued to be faithful to you. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Psalms 34 verse 18 says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Notice that. The Lord is near the brokenhearted. People ask me as I travel uh, throughout the nation and I, I teach at different workshops. By the way, pray for us. We're flying to Orlando, Florida tomorrow to teach at the largest church planting conference uh, in the nation. And we tell the story of Chapel of Change. And people ask me, Brian, how is it that people are coming to Chapel of Change? Or, or Brian, how is it that you're experiencing the power of God at, at Chapel of Change? How is it that, that you're, you're experiencing the power of God? And, and part of my 
answer is that, that, that but one of the reasons why we're experiencing the power of God is because the Lord is bringing so many people with broken hearts to Chapel of Change. And where there are broken hearts, there's the presence of God. Where there are broken hearts, there is the presence of God. Where there are broken hearts, there's the anointing to heal. Where there are broken hearts, there's the anointing to empower. God is attracted to broken hearts. And so if your heart is broken this morning, you have come to the right place. There is power to heal you, power to deliver you. There is the care of God. Secondly, how do we come to a place of surrender? We recognize God's great grace. Someone say grace. Grace in our lives. Now, follow along with me. When Isaiah sees the Lord, he immediately senses his own sinfulness and guilt. In fact, in verse 5, he says, woe is me. I'm lost. I'm a man of unclean lips. That's how he responds to God. And Isaiah is basically saying um, he's unqualified to go for God. That's how he responds. He's basically saying, I'm unqualified to go for you, God. He's basically saying, God, you can't use me because I'm a sinful man. And, and how many of us uh, uh, think that in different ways? God, you can't use me. I'm a sinner. God, you can't use me because I messed up. God, you can't use me because I'm an alcoholic. So um, God, Isaiah immediately brings up his guilt as a disqualifier. Isaiah immediately brings up his guilt as a disqualifier. But how many know that God specializes in guilt removal? God specializes in guilt removal because in verse 6 and 7, listen to what it says. It says, then one of the seraphims flew to me holding a live coal that has been taken from the altar with a pair of tongues. And the seraphim touched my mouth with it and said, now that this has touched your lips, get this, your guilt has departed and your sin has been blotted out. Notice that it says your your, your, your guilt has departed. That's grace. That's grace. That's grace right there. That's grace right there. Listen, listen, I want you to notice that God didn't tell Isaiah, hey, go over there and say 59 prayers and then come back to me. I want you to notice that God didn't tell Isaiah, go over there and do two backflips and do a jumping jack and then come back with me and I'll help you out. I want you to know, no, God didn't require uh, uh, Isaiah really to do anything, but God comes and he removes his guilt by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, we got to be aware, my brothers and sisters, that guilt is used as a weapon to stop us from going for God. Guilt tricks us into thinking God can no longer use us. Guilt tricks us into thinking we are, we, we are what we have done. That's what guilt tries to uh, trick us. We are what we have done. So if we messed up, we are a mess up. That's how guilt tries to trick us. But God wants to deliver someone from the prison of guilt. The guilt of failure, the guilt of relapse, the guilt of unfaithfulness, the guilt of what you have done, the guilt of what you didn't do, the guilt of what you said. God's grace is stronger than your guilt. God's grace is stronger than your guilt. Now hear me, and I want to be very clear, that grace does not give you permission to keep on sinning. I want to be very clear, lest we misinterpret the radical grace of God. Grace does not give you permission to keep on sinning. Grace does not give you permission to keep on disobeying God. Grace gives you a fresh start. 
Grace gives you a fresh start. Grace empowers you to overcome your sinful lifestyle. Grace empowers you to overcome your sinful lifestyle. God does not say, live holy and I will clean you up. God says, I will clean you up by my grace and then empower you to live holy. You see the difference between that? God doesn't say live holy and I'll clean you up. No. God says, I will clean you up by my grace so you can be empowered to live holy. So when you, when you recognize God's grace in your life, you will be inspired to say, Lord, send me. Lord, send me. Lastly, how do we come to this place of surrender is we recognize God's great needs in our generation. God's great needs in our generation. Now, I want to point out something to you in the story that is amazing. God allows Isaiah into the command post of the universe. He allows Isaiah into the command posts of the universe. This is what Isaiah is seeing is the oval office of the universe. This is where God runs the whole universe. What, what Isaiah sees is the command post of the whole universe where God runs the whole universe. What, what, what Isaiah sees is the place where God says, you know what, it's going to rain today. And here it is. It's going to snow. It's going to hail. This is going to happen. That's going to happen. Isaiah sees the command post of where God superintends the entire universe. And listen, this is what Isaiah hears God saying. Isaiah hears God saying in verse 8. Here it is. Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Yeah. Isaiah, he gets to hear God. And what does God say? What, as God looks over the earth, because the Bible says the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the entire earth. As he looks throughout the earth, Isaiah hears God with this dilemma. God, in this moment, is in heaven looking down to earth with a dilemma. There's a dilemma here. God is, is talking about a challenge that is before him. And he says in verse 8, who shall I send and who will go for us? See, Isaiah recognizes God has a need in the world. The dilemma was that God had a need in the world. Are you following along? In every generation, God looks for people who will make themselves available to serve his purpose in their generation. In every generation, the eyes of the Lord looks toward men and women, both young and old, to, to, to serve him and to fulfill a particular purpose in their generation. In every generation, God looks over heaven to the earth and says, who will I send? God is looking for people that will say, here I am, Lord, send me. Listen to this in Ezekiel 22, verse 30. God says, I looked for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land. Look at that. God is looking. Someone say, God is looking. God is looking. He's looking. He's looking. He's looking. He's looking. God is looking. Listen, in Isaiah 63, verse 5, God says, I looked. 
and there was no one to help. And I was astonished. Look at what God is doing in the command post of heaven. He's looking down earth and he's seeing and he's saying, man, I look for someone to answer me. I look for someone to help me. I look for someone that will partner with me. And I didn't find anybody. The Bible says, and I was astonished. And I was amazed. My brothers and sisters, I want to remind us that every Christian has a role to play in meeting God's needs in our generation. Every Christian has a role to play in meeting God's needs in our generation. We are called by God to make a difference in our generation. And God uses people like Isaiah who were initially messed up, but then he anoints them and cleanses them, purifies them, sanctifies them to accomplish his purpose in this world. Is there anyone brave enough that will put aside their own priorities for the purposes of God? If there's anyone who is brave enough who will put aside their own dreams to serve the dreams of God. The old missionary years ago penned the classic poem that said, Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. There's a need. There's a need in our generation. And the enemy has broken hearts. The enemy has broken up families, and the enemy has hurt many people in our generation. And God is calling Chapel of Change to come together underneath the spirit of the living God to be an instrument of fresh hope to this generation. He's called us. To come together under the Spirit of God to be an instrument of fresh hope in this generation. And so my challenge to us, my brothers and sisters, let's not waste any more time. Let's respond to the call of God. Let's respond to the call of God. Let us be used by God to do something significant. Let the story be told that in 2023, a community rose up in the name of Jesus. Yes, we were messed up. Yes, we were broken. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon us. The Spirit of the Lord filled us up. And now we're moving forward under the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let the story be told. We did not sit on the sideline. Let the story be told that we prayed, Lord, put us in the game. Put us in the game. Put us in the game. Let the story be told that we were not just spectators, but we were participators in the plan of God. Let the story be told. So I encourage you. If you're not serving yet, you've been here for a couple months already. Don't try to run home and get your life together. Just come to the altar and say, God, forgive me. Forgive me. If you've been here for an extended amount of time and you're not serving yet, there are needs in this church where God is using us to give fresh hope. As I mentioned, children's ministry has a need. Slide team has a need. Host team, ushers and greeters have a need. Operations uh, has a need. Nursery, youth ministry has a need. We have so many teenagers coming to Chapel of Change. They need godly influence in their life. You ain't got to be a preacher or a teacher. You just got to be a witness. 
And so I want to end. I want to end our time together by saying this prayer. And I want us to say this prayer together, if we could put it up on the screen. And I want us to say this prayer together. And then I want us to just bow our hearts and reflect upon what God is telling us. What God is saying. Everybody understand what we're going to do? We're going to say this prayer together. And then we're going to bow our hearts and our heads. And just reflect upon what God was trying to get us to say. Now there's going to be more than one line on there. But as we get to that line, they'll switch the slides. So on the count of three, let's say this prayer uh, out loud together. One, two, three. Lord God, we recognize your great care and great grace for us. We also recognize your needs in our generation. We pray today that you send us. Here we are, Lord. Send us. Amen. Say this prayer with me one more time. Here we are, Lord. Send us. Here we are, Lord. Send us. Let's bow our heads right now, wherever you're at in the, in the house of the Lord. And let's just reflect upon the word of the Lord that was spoken today. What was God trying to get across to you? And how are you going to respond in a physical way? How are you going to respond? So with every head bowed and every eye closed in an uh, atmosphere of reverence and prayer, let's just allow God to uh, marinate our hearts with what was taught today. Let's, let's bow our heads and our hearts in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for this word, Lord. We thank you for the reminder, Lord, that you are looking to see who you would send. And God, we thank you for just the word being spoken over us, Lord, that we do have the ability to be sent. We do have the charge to be sent. We do have the power from Jesus to be effective wherever we are sent. And with that, Father God, we, we say, here we are, send us. Here we are, send us. Even though we may not be all put together, Father God, even though we may have areas where you want just to get us right with you, God. But I believe, Lord, Father God, during this process, Lord, those things will fall off. Those things will be shedded off. In the midst of us being sent, you will work out whatever it is that we need to work out. So with that, we thank you, Father. For that, we love you, Lord. For that, we give you all the honor and all the praise. In the name of Jesus and all God's people said, hallelujah, yes, amen, amen. Thank you, everybody. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. So, um.
There are some sign-up sheets in the back if you want to sign up for any positions here at the church. We do thank those who are serving and those who are about to just enter into that line of service. Amen. You know, you know the Lord says this. He says, if you want to be the greatest of all in the kingdom, then serve. You know, I want to be great, right? I want to be pleasing to God and I want to be the apple of God's eye. Amen. With that, we're going to transition into our tithes and offerings here at Chapel of James, where we got we have the ability and, and, and the, the privilege to respond to the word of God. Acts 20, 35, it says, In all things we have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember how he himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. In other words, brothers and sisters, there is a blessing when we give. There is a blessing when we give. Um, as the ushers come forward, I have a few announcements right here. We have uh, four ways to give that are on the screen. Uh, we have online, text, mail, and in person as we're about to facilitate that with our, our ushers. Just give it up to the ushers. Just give it up to the ushers, everybody. Thank you guys for your hard work and your service to the Lord. We also have scan to give where we can scan on our phone and give that way. And we have a, 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 a sister in the back that will facilitate if you want to give by debit card. It's available in the back. We have a membership seminar today during the services. Pastor Martin and, and myself will be just leading that area. If you guys are interested in becoming a member, um, I kind of explain this all the time when I'm up here. There's a difference between an attendee and a member. An attendee is somebody that's been coming for a while, but the membership part is somebody to say, look, I want to be a part officially on what God is doing. I want to commit on a higher level in the area of becoming a member. So what a membership, in, in a nutshell, is somebody that says, yes, we are aligned with the vision. Yes, we want to dedicate ourselves to that vision. And yes, uh, we just know and we want to partner. And it's, almost, it's a commitment. It's a signed commitment to say, look, we are part of Chapel Change. We are members and we love what God is doing here to push the gospel forward. Amen. Praise the Lord for the members. Also, uh, this March 25th, we're going to be passing out door hangers. We're going to be passing out door hangers March 25th. We're going to be passing out door hangers just to invite people to the church as well. And um, at this time, we're going to pray over the offering. I'm going to release the ushers and uh, we're going to come back and bless you all with a blessing. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you, Lord, uh, just for the ability to give. And, and just knowing that, Lord, it is more blessed to give than to receive, Lord. Those are your words, Father God. So we thank you for your word and as a reminder, Lord, that this is the way we, we, we want to posture our hearts as we give. We want to give back, Lord, Father God, and be blessed by you, Lord. So with that, God, may these blessings uh, of tithing and offering, Lord, just uh, be pleasing to you, Lord, and use them, Father God, to impact your world with the gospel. In the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Hallelujah.
mentioned this Saturday coming up. Do we have any men in the house? Hallelujah, yes. We have our Kingsmen gathering where we're going to be hosting here at Paramount at 9 o'clock. We're going to have uh, Brother David giving a testimony. This is Brother David right here. Praise the Lord. Powerful testimony that God is doing in this young brother's life. We are celebrating that that day. He's going to be uh, sharing that. Also, we're going to have Pastor uh, Kenny Martin. Kenny Martin is going to be bringing the word. So it's going to be an exciting time. All your, all the men, I encourage you guys to come out this Saturday at 9 a.m. for breakfast, fellowship, and a powerful time in God. With that, uh, if we can stand to our feet, and we're just going to release with a blessing. Just we, It's custom here that we hold our hands out in a posture of reception. Also, we have our pastors here at the end of service. If you need additional prayer, if you want to just continue to up, we, we ask that you do put our pastors to work. Uh, Heavenly Father, or just in the name of the Father, who loved us, that gave his only son so that we can live. In the name of Jesus, who came down and died on the cross so that we could be with him forever. And in the name of the Holy Spirit that continues to, to, to teach us and train us and, 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 and send us, God, send us. May we go with the protection and the blessing of the Lord. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Hallelujah. God bless you, church.